0: This is So Far So Rare, a podcast about all things So Rare. This week, I spoke with So Rare Strategy. It's Ryan, and he recently sold his gallery for like 16 or 17 ETH. Rebuilding from the ground up, a lot of lessons learned, a lot to talk about. I hope you enjoy the episode. Please do subscribe wherever you're listening and leave us a five-star review. Ryan, aka So Rare Strategy. You have a YouTube channel. And the you the reason I got you on was, well, initially you reached out, but the thing that was like I have to talk to this guy was you just sold it all. You sold your whole gallery worth circa 19 eighth and you're resetting. You're starting again. Talk to me. About <laughs> you first, obviously. Hello and obviously first and let people know a bit about yourself. But like that's one hell of a headline. I had to I had to lead with it.
1: Absolutely. Uh it's been a headline for me uh kind of bouncing in my head for the last month until I finally pulled the trigger. But, um, yeah, great to be on here and and great to meet you. Um, I, have been part of, uh, so rare for 15 months or so. I kind of came on. I have, I have you to thank for that. I I stumbled upon one of your videos, uh, at that time, of course, right when, um, so rare was peaking. And so I sort of overspent massively, Mm. uh, (laughs) but then it was kind of chasing those profits, but or chasing those investments. But, uh, no, it's been such a game changer for me. Um, <clears throat> I'm a uh, quick intro. I guess I'm, I'm from the West Coast. So uh, born and raised here in Vancouver, uh, worked in the sports industry pretty much my whole life. Uh, uh, actually was at uh, the Vancouver Canucks, but then the Vancouver Whitecaps. And, and so helped to rebrand them um, as they headed into MLS about 10 years ago. Um, they're still not quite as successful in the field as we'd like, but uh, that's okay. <laughs> um and then went down to australia and uh worked in australian football for about five years as well um that was an amazing experience um and then basically i've been back uh, up to vancouver for about five years
0: cool cool well yeah it's it's uh when i look at your gallery there um you've been on the platform since the 16th of march 21 which, you know kind of the height of the boom really last year hopefully we're due another one hopefully um but yeah, you, you sold all your cards to Rudy Boss, not someone I've ever dealt with. How did that come about? Did you reach out? Did he reach out? Did, uh, did you post it somewhere? How did you actually like, make it happen?
1: Yeah, it's, it's actually a lot easier than I thought. I started by searching manager names you know, people put kind of sentences in their names and things like that. I started mm-hmm. to search and go, who who's using the word selling or or buying galleries or or something like that. Uh, found a few people, but I thought there's got to be something easier than that. And then, sure enough, if you go on um, Silver's Discord channel uh, of the you know 25 different threads, uh, one of them is uh, buying and selling galleries. And if you go mm-hmm. on there, you'll see it's actually pretty active uh, for for the buyers. They're they're posting almost every day. They're posting just a little sort of copy paste job of saying, Hey, I'm buying, you know, reach out to me. So I just posted my, my name and my, my gallery name, uh, in there. And, uh, honestly, within minutes, frankly, uh, I was getting offers and I'd say in the span of 24 to 48 hours, I had, um, about five or six, uh, people interested and I could kind of negotiate, uh, the prices sort of against them or, or see, you know, who was, who favored my gallery than mm. others.
0: Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, I've had a few people reach out to me over time Um, where I'm just looking in the chat here, galleries. It's interesting to see. I've had a few reach out to me over time and offer me stuff. And I tell you what, like your gallery value can kind of spiral out of control and you can kind of not really realize what it's actually worth very quickly. And then you get hit with a number and you're like, holy shit, that's worth X amount. And when you compare that to your real life and how that would impact your real life, it kind of takes you back, and you have to think about it. I have to say, I found these people obviously they get a lot of buys, they get a lot of galleries that they buy, and you were obviously very happy with how yours transpired. I find they always use the so rare data value, and maybe it's different in like limited and rare. I think limited galleries are maybe much more accurately valued because of the frequency of transaction. Maybe rare a little less, but still pretty accurate. Once you get to super rares and uniques, I have, I have a lot. I actually have quite a few super rares like in my gallery and. I find like they're really poorly valued and it's nothing on so rare data. They have like, it's a hard thing to do. And, you know, you have to, like whenever they start actually trying to attribute values to cards, it can seem like they're suggesting what cards are worth and like that can impact markets, blah, blah, blah. They have a a tight rope to walk. I I get that. This isn't a reflection on them whatsoever. Um, But when I look at like my gallery, I'm trying to find it here at roster prices. Like I've always found like, there's cards that are like drastically undervalued, and it's all my super rares. Literally every single one of them are like ETHs off. You know what I mean? Because of the like the frequency of sale is so low. Like, I don't know if I could pick one out that like stands out. Like even like Toby Layson, super rare backup keeper under 23 behind Vandivert. Not 0.66 is the value that comes up. Nico Williams, not 0.46 Sugarwara, not 0.55 Like I could go all the way down here, and there's some of these cards that are worth 5, six, seven, eight, 10x what they're being valued at. So the reason I go on that spiel is anytime I've been approached, the value is always way too low. And I also do have quite a lot of premium cards, so I wouldn't take a 25% hit because they would be liquid, like a Trent. Why would I take 25% of a hit on a Trent? I would just sell the Trent for 100% or 95 So I find my gallery is not conducive to selling was yours like was yours built in a way where you felt you could get a good value
1: yeah so it's a really good question and i do think that as you have more super rares certainly uniques um you can't quite re- rely on that kind of market uh valuation mm. i mean good example it, you know it's like owning a, a rare car versus a honda civic or something like that like you're just not yeah. able to properly evaluate and so like i found that actually i, I didn't have a ton of super rares. i maybe had eight or something i'm not sure but uh and, uh, I didn't think there were too much value, but, uh, they, so two things, one is I actually had uh, Roddy boss kind of, um, sort of push back on one of them, like toward the very end, he was like, you know, I kind of don't want to buy Chiquinho. Um, and I think it was cause of that. Cause I think of like probably whatever the last purchase was or the last value, it was just sort of too high for what he wanted. Um, but what he probably felt was valued, um, I didn't want to sell at either. So I said, okay, fine. I'll just keep them. That's, it's not a big deal. Yeah. And, and I do think that if you were to sell your super rares, you'd almost have to take a spreadsheet and really like put in like negotiate value for, for each one. Uh, whereas oh, yeah. to your point, rare and limited, I think you could just rely on the market. Um, the, you know, the other piece for me was um, the, uh the, the cards when you go into selling one of the things you, you don't realize is um the person's going to offer like so you negotiate a percentage and I, like i can share what that was and who offered what mm. to some degree and whatnot but um once you get to that percentage uh you start you have to look at the the um the lowest uh, current offer as well, as well as the sort of two week average. And the person is the buyer is going to take the lowest of the two. So when, when he first sent his first batch of like 10 cards for this amount of money, I was adding it up as what the kind of like two week value or three day value was. And it was, it was off. And then I realized, Oh, of course he's going to only pay, Um, what the current uh, lowest price is for about three Mm. of the 10 or something like that. So there is a bit of math and a bit of, you know, nobody's trying to trick anyone. You just, you just have to kind of be careful and know what you're getting at. And so what I ended up doing, like previous to these discussions was in that sort of maybe one to two weeks that I was really serious about this. um, I started putting up cards for sale that I didn't think like that. I thought I could get to your point, a hundred percent value on yeah, because mm. I knew I wasn't going to sell my gallery for a hundred percent value, and um, and so uh, what was a good one? Um, I, I suppose wonder. some of
0: those like higher percentage cards, you know, you just get them flogged, get the cash in the bank because that's your plan anyway, and then yeah. with the kind of guys that you're probably going to struggle, that are a bit more liquid, bulk sell them because <laughs> well,
1: and there was that's bit, oh, why they're
0: getting a discount.
1: There's one guy that like, literally we were talking about an offer minutes before I sort of virtually shook hands with, with Roddy boss on this. And so I just pulled the trigger and, and I was like, okay, I'm going to take what I think it was like 0.3 or something for um, Selikov, the, the Russian uh, keeper, because I knew I was only going to get, um, you know, somewhat less than that uh, mm. in my entire gallery. So I quickly pulled that one just to make a little bit of extra.
0: Yeah. Yeah, no, I can see there. I can see you also made a few buys just before the sale as well, but obviously there were a few things going through your head. So you got 19 um, all in. Your current roster valuation is just over 40th, just over 5K. Are you cashing any of that out, taking anything out, or are you just rebuilding?
1: Yeah, so I should... um check that slightly so i think i got somewhere around 16 and a half because a few things so one is my my roster value is about 19 um mm. you don't get 100 percent for that so we landed on a number of about 87 percent, and um <clears throat> so that probably equates to somewhere around 16 and a half or so but but on top of that we picked about four or five cards that i could hang on to so the funny mm. thing was is that I negotiated based on percentage. I wasn't going to like talk about 16, eighths, 17, eighths, whatever, whatever I wanted to get to a percentage. And so I had other people offering 82%, 85, things like that. And, and then when I got to the number that I wanted, I felt 87 was, was accurate and fair. Um, I then said, okay, but I want to keep these eight cards. And, and he said, you know, which, which eight do you want? And of course I picked some pretty nice ones. And he said, well, okay, come on. I can't, like, I can't offer 87% if you're taking like your eight best cards kind of thing. Uh, yeah. which, which I realized and I got, and, and there was a realization that like, if I really wanted those people, I could just go back and, and buy them back. Like there is, yeah, there's value in bundling this and just shipping it off. So, uh, so we instead landed on about, I think it was three or four cards that I hung on to and, and some of them were just like sentimental. So like, you know, the, the, um, the JPEG or whatever that you use um, for this, it was showed Aryan Robin. And yeah. I mean, obviously he's completely unplayable. He's retired. Um, but I just, I just kind of want to hold on to it the way you would hold a, um, you know, a, 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 a card, like a sports card or a sticker, mm. a caniney sticker something like that. Like, I just think this is pretty cool. I I'm one of, I think it's 60 or 70 of these cards out there. Um, and I just want to hold that one forever, um, as a collectability. So he was fine with that. Um, it's not like it's worth much anyways. Um, I had a Dervis Oglu uh, super rare, and he's uh, and it's card number one as well. So arguably, it's the sort of second most valuable card um, he would have. And I think he's I think he's great. I think he does really well for Turkey when he plays for the national team. Um, he's sort of been on the bench for Galatasaray, but um, I think he's got a bright future. And to your point, I couldn't I couldn't find a value that made sense. Like mm. there was just no way I could sell at that. And then the third one was Ryan Raposo for um, for the Whitecaps here. And, and he's a young guy. And he's, again, card one, super rare. <clears throat> and that was just sentimental. It's like, I want to own sort of a, a really top-tier card of a local and yeah. uh, kind of follow his his career path. So, you know, we landed on those. And I think those were pretty, like, reasonable. But but when I was like, no, you know, I want to hang on to, you know, Kok Chu and and uh, Militao and all these people, he was like, okay, come on. I can't. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Get out of here. Yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs> so you got your 16 whatever eighth. I've seen you've spent a bit since. Um are you spending it all? Did you cash out?
1: So I didn't cash out. I mean, obviously the fiat level right now. So the fiat level w- would show that I've basically made a loss over the last uh 15 months or so, or or kind of maybe just broke mm. even. Um, whereas the ETH it's, it's easily the most ETH I've, I've ever had. I think I went in when I bought in, I, I I had about seven or eight ETH worth. I think maybe it was, maybe it was nine or 10, I don't know. But, um, so in some ways I'm, I'm maybe making a bit of a, a gamble on, on ETH rising. Um, so it it didn't feel like the right time. If, if I was worried about cashing out, this wasn't the time to do so. Um, I'm Mm -hmm. definitely like a long-term ETH believer. Um, having said that, uh, I, I don't want to be one of the big mistakes I made uh, early on was uh, I got into this and I spent all my money in three weeks. <laughs> pretty much. Mm-hmm. I just went from zero cards to about 80 cards. Um, and I really wish I had taken some time. I wish I had taken about two or three months to like make my purchases. And I, mm-hmm. I really missed some, uh, some really great opportunities last summer in particular, because I just had no ETH whatsoever. And I was like, yeah, you know, trying to sell cards to create some kind of um, cash flow and uh, so now i'm I'm trying to be a little diligent i definitely want to get into europe Um, that's the place that i I get most sort of excited and and want to follow especially challenger europe it's really open mind yeah it's good fun yeah totally and and just like follow new teams and new leagues um but i want to wait it feels like those leagues are sort of at their peak or or will continue to be at their peak through the summer and so um, I could see myself waiting even till like September, October to to make most of my purchases.
0: No, I, I like that. Um, and what, What's your kind of like initial thought? Like I think if I went back, let's say I got my gallery sold and I was going back and maybe it is depending on gallery value and stuff, but I always kind of thought it'd be nice to aim high and trickle down. But when I look at your gallery, you have picked up a few limiteds. Um, is there a, a process? Is there You have some super rares as well. So like, are you trying to build out all scarcities or what because i i always think i'd like to go like buy a really premium team that can compete in super rares, win me rares that's what i think i'd do or even like uniques just go fucking balls to the wall yeah. um what was your thinking and what is your plan
1: yeah so i mean if you look at my gallery now it actually probably mirrors pre my previous gallery in terms of looks a bit scattered and, and things like that so i'm sort of slowly constructing what my strategy is but what i can say is that um I'm actually going to stay at a limited to some degree. The only limited league that I find I enjoy and don't feel (laughs) constantly frustrated or just throw a lot of wasted money at um, is the Mm -hmm. special weekly um, or the, yeah, the one where you can wear, win the the rares if you get up into the podiums. Um, So that's the one where, you know, you need two cards under 40, and you need one over yeah. 60 and then the two in the 50, right? Um, so what you're seeing in terms of my limiteds is a couple guys for this weekend that are under 40. And uh, and then I'm, I'm you know, debating who I might grab uh, to kind of fill out the rest of my roster there. So um, that's probably the only limited league I'm going to play because to your point, the, the opportunity to win rares, I think, is, is great enticement. And I kind of like um, – there is a part of me that likes – that sort of week to week trying to find the nice matchups, trying to find the guy that has mm. a, a low L15 and stuff. I know that like scratches an itch for me. So um, if I just limit it to one uh, game or one tournament, I won't overspend and start trying to fill every, um, you know, every limited league.
0: No, I hear you. I, I, <laughs> When I look at this, I think like from a content standpoint, what I'm going to do a bit more on my YouTube channel. So anyone who doesn't subscribe, go over and subscribe. I've just hit 8,000 subscribers, which is amazing. Yeah. And you have a YouTube as well. So we're Strategy, we should go and check you out too. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think this kind of like these new game modes are very exciting. I'm kind of pivoting away now from the, the gallery sale, but I'm sure we'll touch back on it. And we'll get back involved because there's lots more to that story, I'd say. But these new game modes are really exciting. And I think they're really good content because it's week to week. And I think a lot of fantasy players and DFS players like to think week to week and fixture based and targeting guys. And I entered the super rare weekly for the first time, the super rare kickoff, sorry for the first time this week. And I was amazed at how like low the bar was. So I have a thing where I'm giving away every limited card I win on my YouTube this this season, or at least this year is what I kind of said. That That's when the contract runs out. i will reassess at the end of 2022. But I, I threw in my Thiago Santana Super Rare. Now, he was captain and he did score 70 points. So it was 103 points straight off the bat, right? But outside that, I had a 29-pointer, a 41-pointer, a DMP, and then a clean sheet from the goalie. 241 points. I didn't think that was an amazing score. You know, they had to have L5 averages or L15s less than 50. So, I mean, you can still get decent guys in there. 92% complete rankings, and I'm sitting in 53rd on a tier two limited. Now, I don't think I'm going to hold on. But my point is, even with a DMP, a 29-pointer and a 41-pointer, like, I'm 43 points off a star with 91% done. And I think the fact that the Super Rare is a huge barrier to entry, the entrants are so much lower. And the fact that I have the super rares to maybe enable that division for my community lineups or limiteds, I think like for galleries like they, me, that kickoff is actually way better than you'd think because it incentivizes both people to go and buy super rares, but it also incentivizes people who have super rares to go and buy limiteds. Even if like you're a wheel and you don't really dabble in limiteds, I am thinking like I could do with having a few more limiteds to go around these super rares because like you can win star limiteds in there. You know what I mean? like, it, And they can be worth thousands. So like, I don't know. I just think these new game modes are class. Um, so it's interesting that you're targeting them. And I think there's a very interesting type of player you can find um, as I've been doing sort of deep dives into leagues at the minute. Fullbacks can stand out quite often or different players, players who, hit high peaks but also give away a lot of possession stuff and we'll hit twenty five forty two twenty five twenty eight nineteen and then all of a sudden they bang a hundred for underdog purposes. That's what you need. You need the peak. So yeah. I don't know. What have you done much digging into that yourself or not? Yeah
1: no absolutely and in fact I, I felt there was a bit of a gap in 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 content out there and, and sort of where I was steering my channel um over the winter was around looking uh, not necessarily at this next game week, uh, but but rather maybe like four to six game weeks ahead and just being like slightly ahead of the market and especially with the liquidity of the limited Um a category that uh, you could whether you're doing it to flip cards or whether you're just doing it to like build you know nice little tournament teams um, a good example is say the this Nations League that just uh, wrapped up I mean a lot of people kind of wrote it off and, and sure that's fine but like there was reasonable cards to be won there was uh, a lot of people just didn't have lineups that that you know could compete and if you had planned for that back in may or april or something like that you you'd you'd have a nice lineup Um, a lot of people are writing off kind of the world cup as sort of a dead period as well for so rare and it's like well Mm. if you can use limited as a way to um to to enjoy i mean you're going to enjoy the world cup anyway so why not also have some uh, pretty good lineups put against it as well and especially like i saw this last year with the euro and stuff like some of the players uh for you know macedonia and these other countries and stuff especially in the first um two weeks or whatever the first couple um, matches Uh, you know, you can definitely compete with those that have, uh, you know, Messi Mm. and and Mbappe and everyone like that. So um, those, I think, are really interesting opportunities because I think all of us would agree in these sort of lower periods when there's not a lot of games going on, like it feels like like something's missing, like something taken from your soul a little bit where you're just waiting for the start. So so, like, lean into that. Don't don't just sit here and wait, you know, until Premier League starts or, or whatever. Like, um, actually, like, throw yourself into some other um, leagues via the Limited.
0: Space. Yeah. it It is. I know what you mean. There's, like, I, I'm starting to get excited now when I look at my players. There's guys who you kind of forget you've got and looking ahead and getting excited about the seasons coming back. And, I mean, we're not far away from some of them. Um, like, Austria is back very soon, I believe. And this weekend. I think, like, next weekend, is it? Yeah, I think so. Wow, and yeah, like fu- football is back. Yeah, like football is back very soon. So it's starting to get exciting. You know, FPL launched. I'll probably stick out a tournament for that. I'm running the Fantasy Football Hub YouTube channel. So if anyone's into FPL, go and subscribe to Fantasy Football Hub on YouTube. You'd help me big time. Get in among the comments. Uh, big task for me. That's what's kind of allowed me to go to half half a half hours at work and lean a bit more into content. Um, but don't worry. Still, all the rare content coming, but um, yeah. As you say, it's a bit of a dead period. I'm excited about stuff coming back, but when I'm looking at you, just mentioned the World Cup. Like, there's no reason for the World Cup. Like, you. I'm trying to think of a, a slightly more niche team, but like if you built, like, it's always the keeper, isn't it? But like if you yeah. built, say, like a Swiss stack. Is summer is he Swiss or is he Austrian? I always get mixed up. He's but Swiss. let's say you built, yeah, like a Swiss stack. I mean, they're going to play against Cameroon and Serbia. I'm not saying either of those are particularly easy games, but there's a chance they could score well. Yeah. Um, a Croatian stack will play against Canada and Morocco. Um, you won't like me saying I think they'll beat Canada, but like, um, there are good sort of national team stacks that will have an easy fixture or two there, and there'll probably be some sort of promo and nice prizes. It is a wide Ooh. away.
1: Cool. And also like that brings up another piece and just the collectability, which we kind of never talk about, but um, I mean, Canada is going to make the world cup for the first time uh, since 1986 and the second time, only the second time in their history. And, you know, we have quite a, a, a bumper crop of, um, of talent, you know, uh, you know, obviously Alfonso Davies and Jonathan David and Tejon Buchanan and I uh, could go on and on. But um, so for me, for example, it's like part of me, you know, I want to take, um, some of my budget and like build a little world cup Canada limited mm. side, just so that I get to like field that side. And so rare, watch them play, cheer them on. And, you know, I'm not expecting to win huge rewards or anything, but it just might feel good to sort of have that. I've even thought, do I go as far as to try and buy card 22? Cause it's 2022 of mm. those players. And then I just own that forever. And I own, you know, the card number 22 of these uh, players that made it to the world cup. And so um, yeah, that kind of stuff. We got to remind ourselves that like makes it also a little bit more rich. It's not just about your your economic return,
0: exactly. And it's uh it's something I speculated on maybe a month ago in the podcast about with the incoming of MLB. We don't know how that's going to affect the market in terms of who is going to bring who it's going to bring into so rare the mentality of you know yourself. You live in North America. You're Canadian. I think Canada is very similar to the U S in terms of like the collectability of sports cards. Right. Um, and I, I don't know if you even use of baseball in Canada, I'm sure you have it, but is it anywhere near yeah. as competitive or like, is it a thing
1: <laughs> we have the Toronto blue Jays? <laughs> so they are in major league baseball. So, um, oh, cool. But, uh, yeah, no, it's not, it's not as big of a sport. Uh, that's for sure.
0: But the, po- the point is that I suppose I'm thinking it brings in a different ma- mentality where people are coming in, to play the fantasy, I'm sure, and maybe the the diehard baseball fans and whatever mightn't be into crypto or NFTs, but I think like you will get some of the sports card fans coming in the door. I think when that happens, then you know everyone's going to get World Cup fever. So I kind of speculated a month ago or so that I could see the American cards on so rare, the American youngsters, the World Cup squad getting a nice bump around then because when we we seen it when the boom happened last year when you joined um a lot of that sort of crop of people were um us-based because it was kind of all based off the back of gary v and whatever else a lot of them were kind of naive maybe to football but in the nfts and gary v said it and let's go and like the likes of cole bassett for example i remember he went nuclear and so did like the brendan aronsons and Alfonso davies and um you know, the North American players really spiked. So I'm not going to act on this probably, but like, I really do think that's a play.
1: Um, well, yeah. And and that's, I mean, that was my initial strategy because it came from the sports card collecting kind of mentality. And in fact, I purposely was buying and trading for cards that were like a few years back. I wasn't, I wasn't Mm -hmm. trying to get the in season cards and the 5% bonus because I considered, uh, playing in in the so fives as like a little bit like dfs I don't, I don't know if you have that over there but like say with the nfl daily fantasy it's kind of a lottery in a way and if anything you have to go like counterintuitive like you have to pick the random guy that you know i mean in this sense like gets a hundred um in order to win anything so i felt like it was it was more based on luck and thus for me it was the long-term collectability so i would actually specifically target um, a 2019 or a 2018 card and because it was to me it was like a it was like a, a real card it was like i'm owning the first you know nft of this guy or, or the first year of, of the nft of this player um and so my entire and this is part of also why i i sold was that i realized that i'd put in you know whatever it was, 10 ETH or something worth of a, a significant amount of money into this. And I was, my tournament win rate was like 2% or so by about November or so. And I thought something's wrong here. Like I I, I surely putting this much money in, I should be winning a little more mm-hmm. than this. And it was because I'd invested obviously a ton in like U23s that I thought would come good over time. Um, but then also just... Not having, uh, not really looking at the actual uh, performance week to week. And so I started to change that in January, February. And then I, I got my win rate up to more like 5% or so. And that started to feel a lot better. I started to actually like enjoy that feeling, you know, mm. obvious, um, of winning a card and opening a card. Um, and then I was like starting to look at other comparable managers and going, well, that guy's winning 15%, 20%. Like, what am I doing wrong here? So.
0: It's so funny when percentages they come up every so often. I don't even give a shit
1: because I put in random teams for the sake of putting
0: them in. So like in terms of like teams I put in that I think can win versus teams that I just put in, I don't know what that number is. So like the fourteen percent win rate is skewed. It is so. I don't know. It'd be nice if you. Well, no, because then everyone would just have a hundred. I was gonna say if you could like mark what you feel is a competitive lineup for yourself, but then people would just mark nothing other than winners as competitive lineups <laughs> to up their stats. But you know what I mean. I don't know. Yeah. I feel like I'd love to see my win rate in like under twenty-three rare pro because I always go hard there.
1: Yeah, you might know anecdotally. Like if you had to ask mm-hmm. yourself how often you could probably like. Yeah. You know what I mean. I felt like probably I was still too low. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. I felt like I was like February, March, April, I was starting to win at a rate where I, I could kind of expect that I could win. And, and sometimes it was only a tier three, but I at least was like in the game. And, um, that's when I started to really switch on to, okay, what would this feel like if I actually constructed a team that I expected to win, you know, every Mm -hmm. single week or, or most weeks?
0: I'm having a quick look here and seeing if there's anything in the the announcements. There's nothing really that's happened um San Lorenzo, the next of the big five clubs of Argentinian football has landed that happened. I don't know if you're into Argentinian football, but there's some teams there is it is it up your street
1: um i you know one one of the things I've learned <clears throat> excuse me is uh I don't. Uh, I'm not the best scout like I don't have I don't have the time to really dig deeply. And um, I mean, th- thankfully, we have all those accounts, those, you know, so rare Mexico and so rare Belgium and all these, you know, Twitter accounts that um, really I mean, I think they're worth, you know, whether you pay for their um, patron or or um, just follow them on Twitter. I think it's super helpful. Um, I, I definitely as you'll see, some of the cards that I, I, I've slowly started to buy into have been mostly MLS because, uh, and a little bit of League Mexico because I just feel I can get more information there. And, uh, and if I get more information from them, uh, then I can, um, you know, at least have a little more assurance. Um, I think where I started to get wrong is when I just feel like I'm speculating and I really don't. I mean, we've all done this. Like you you literally hear, like you read like three tweets, you do like a Google name search where you translate some random article and now all of a sudden you're an expert on that player. You like, you've gone from zero, never heard of him, And in like seven minutes, you're now like a complete expert on that player. And you've, I'm going to spend
0: three grand on this guy. (laughs) Like I, I, it comes up too often, but Wesley, like Wesley, I knew off the top of my head, he was a guy who did all right and went to Villa. Wasn't it Villa or was it West Ham? It was Villa and field. And like, when I seen him linked with Bruges, my, my brain got ticking and it was like, this is a Premier League striker who's going to Belgium. It's Bruges. They need a forward. He's going to smash. This is a super rare. I need a forward super rare. This guy fits the bill. He's challenger. I had Tadic and Vanekin at the time. He'll stack with Vanekin. He is going to absolutely slay. It's a 18-19 or 19 20 card. I was like, this is, this is absolutely, this is great. And then at the time, like, the, the Van Dyke was worth, like, an eighth. And I was like, an eighth for a card like that? Ooh. I was like, yeah, let's do it. I don't need the Van Dyke. I have loads of champion defenders. I don't need the Van Dyke. Went and did it. In the space of about four minutes, I fummoed in to spunking away one of the best defenders on the platform for a Super Rare Wesley because I convinced myself of some bollock speculation. And now you can't even get a game in Brazil. Like, fuck me, man. Well, that, you
1: know, you it, I must you say... Sorry, well, I was just like, going to say like,
0: with a balance like you, you're in like danger zone.
1: Mhm. Absolutely. And and I mean, just as a quick aside, like I think that's what makes some of your your content and like your podcasts and so great is because you really do represent so many of us in terms of that. Um, that <laughs> well, it's almost like we can see the the ego on your shoulder or the angel or whatever that's sort of whispering in your ear and saying like, oh yeah, mm. you know, and because uh, you are very positive, like you're sort of a, a bright side kind of guy and, and um, yeah, we've all lived that and uh, it, that's what makes it so fun. But uh, yeah, I mean, <laughs> I... <laughs> (laughs) I I had the, um, I mean, if you look at my gallery, there's the keeper for uh, uh, Juarez in in the Mexican League. Uh, I forget his name now, but I bought his super rare. Got a few of Uh, him yeah and then i bought three of his uh his limiteds um now i do believe that he's going to spike i think it was a, it was a pretty smart purchase and and um ultimately i think his super rare was was pretty good value um he's a strong keeper there's talk that maybe Juarez, they were bottom of the league last year they um they sort of invested this year so they might be a bit better so like i feel pretty good about it but don't get me wrong i i self taught myself about him in in the span of about 25 minutes and and then made that purchase mm-hmm. so um it it can be very one of the things I realized is like when you have this much ETH, not that I've tons, but you know, whatever I have, like, you know, now I have 13 or something left in the account. It's like, it's very enticing. And, and you, you know, you mentioned a few weeks ago about boredom buys and things like that. I mean, you can be definitely susceptible to that because ultimately I do, this is not me cashing out. Like, like I want to reinvest this. I want to take all my learnings from the first year, all my mistakes, wipe the slate clean and actually buy um, tournament winning uh, teams, it is not to cash out in any way. In fact, I sort of look at it that like the longer I have Ethereum sitting in the account, the more that I'm a crypto investor instead of a rare investor. do you know what I mean? like i'm I'm mm-hmm. basically now riding the wave of crypto, which I never want to do. i'm I'm in no way an expert on that. So I kind of want to sink the money into cards, um, something that I believe I have at least some knowledge in. and mm-hmm. uh, but at the same time, that could make me you know, burn it all in the next six days. So, you know, I have to be patient.
0: <laughs> yeah, just be so careful, man. Like, I had it recently where I had like the nine from the, I had a Rodrigo sale and had a couple of ETH there, and I was sitting on nine and I felt like I need to spend this. I need to spend this. I'm exposed to <laughs> ETH. ETH was crashing. I'm glad I spent it in hindsight, but like, having that sort of balance, it was just like from going from like over the last day, I might have clicked into my so rare account once to accept a giveaway that I gave away in a stream yesterday. Outside that, I haven't signed in because like I set my teams in the stream. Nothing's changed. I'll check back in on Thursday for any new use, any new news yeah. later on Thursday, probably. And then like, other than that, I don't have anything to do. I'm kind of waiting for the new season. I don't have a balance. I'm just kind of, yeah, I'll t- even like the teams I said at the minute, none of them are so competitive that I'm compelled to be checking them every two minutes. I think most of them are around for the midweek anyway. So it's like, right. I'm happy to kind of sit back and and not be be on it. But whenever I had like a balance every every 40 minutes, every two hours, the phone was out scrolling through the super rare unique market, newly listed under 23s, who's who's selling what? What's going on here? Sending speculative messages. Oh, I'm interested in this guy. Knowing they're never going to trade him. Listing some other cards in mind to try and get them sold. And it's just, it's so hard because your eyes on the market so much more. And because your head's in Twitter and Discord, whatever else, you're much more likely to just catch a little rumor that you can just degen into. Yeah. Um. So having the discipline, I think step one, you've completed. Step two, you sound strong, but remaining disciplined in the reason you sold in the first place.
1: Well, there's a Good couple of luck. things. Yeah. I mean, there's a couple of things that I think are, I believe, on the horizon. So one thing is, I mean, we could talk briefly about Ethereum, and just that. I mean, nobody knows what's going to happen, but um, some it's going to swing in in some way, one one shape or or another, and and um, so to at least sort of be. I don't know, observant of that, I think is is part of it. Then the, the second piece is uh, the European leagues returning and things like that. I think we've generally seen that in that month leading up to a league, uh, prices tend to spike um, and in mm. that first month or so. So then they start to kind of flatten a little bit and sometimes you get another, a secondary spike kind of mid-season. Uh, so that can also provide a little opportunity. Um, the other one is like, we don't know when the new, season of cards come out as well. And so once mm-hmm. that, once those hit the auction, you're going to see a flattening of the market as well. Um, cause people and someone like me sitting on some ETH, I can then just win auctions, which should give me a, you know, a 10 or 20% discount than, uh, than the secondary market. Um, and then the third one or fourth one, or wherever we're at, um, which I know you love to talk about is, um, the potential premier league. And and if it got announced, um, I definitely want ETH in my wallet, ready to spend. I, I don't want to be sitting there panicking like I did last summer, trying to, uh, you know, trying to sell cards to create cash flow.
0: Would you would you fomo into the Premier League like that? Would you be like, uh-huh. I want to buy these cards because I think for me, I look at it almost more like I want to win these cards with the cards I've already got. But that's where I'm at. But like, do you not think you'd rather get the cards before the Premier League's launched because everyone will want to buy cards to win Premier League cards? Or no, what's your I know. thing?
1: i think it's i think it's incredibly dangerous (laughs) and i think i would go deep (laughs) um um, (laughs) i would just i would throw everything at it but um but to your point i mean the challenge as well with that is that to win cards you then need to be playing champion europe and those cards are expensive as well so even if you think you're going to kind of like get into the premier league sort of back door um you're still buying bundesliga or Lily You're right, like,
0: like Kimmich's that. and whatever else.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I'm kind of happy Lewandowski's up on the air. I'm happy that he's kind of been taken out of the running as like the guy. Right. But I mean, there's still going to be guys though, isn't there? I'm just kind of happy to have a bit of disarray at Bayern. I do have a Sane. I'm a bit annoyed about kind of bottom at peak. Um, Quinny will tell you otherwise, but he, he preyed on my um, my good side and I gave him a great price. It was all Quinny. He's a bad man. Um, but... I think, like, yeah, it's nice to see that broken up a bit from maybe a Champ Europe kind of Bayern stack perspective. Similarly with, like, Ajax, whenever key players leave, like the um, Sandro, isn't it, Martinez, mm-hmm. if he goes, I, I'd love to kind of see, like, a Timber go or something, but, like, if he's off the Man United or, or Arsenal, kind of breaks that up a wee bit and throws a little bit of uncertainty in. But
1: yeah, I, I kind of like that. A... Whenever,
0: you, whenever you don't have the cards, I love it.
1: Yeah. I is a really tricky one to invest in right now. I I think mm. foolish. I think you just have to kind of wait it out and see what kind of squad they have.
0: And even new manager, new system. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. How's that all gonna work?
1: Yeah. One one of the areas that I'm curious about, I haven't seen it yet, is the twenty-four year olds. So or twenty threes even like basically those that fell out of U twenty three last mm. week. Um, do we, are we going to see like a dip, like maybe the so rare data guys could look into that. Like, are we going to see a dip in price for those guys? And that might be tremendous value. You pick a 24 year old up, you probably have five years, six years of his prime, um, that you might get a discount just cause people aren't, you know, they're thinking, oh, he's done with you 23.
0: Mm. When I, when I look at the one who always stands out to me at the minute and I could be wrong, but, um, I mean, long-term I could be wrong. God knows what happens. But like, but was injured with a major enough injury and he aged out. And like, if you look at his price graph, we'll look at it in terms of fate. Like on February the 4th, I think it was, he sold for 479 quid at limited and yesterday. Okay. He actually came up a wee bit, but he was down as low as like, I think his lowest sale was like 78 quid. He's sitting around a hundred now. And then at rare, like equally, you're looking six months ago, up about 1800 quid, something like that. And he's selling today for like five hundred, and I think like obviously injuries can affect players. God knows. I mean, maybe there's reasons why the markets went like that, blah blah blah. But I think the injury and the age have to be a huge factor there. But when you go and look at his scores, if he comes back and just plays similarly to before, he's like one of he's a top, he's top 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 midfielder. And if you compare him, maybe to like actually, I'd be interested to know what like a quote is. Sebastian Cote is at Sporting, who's like a top, 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 top defender. Maybe right. better, but like if you go and compare his limiteds, limiteds actually aren't far off. Rares are a bit here. What about like a daily blend? Something like that. Yeah, he's like way more expensive. You could argue he's better, but like, I don't know. I feel like my point's kind of there. There definitely are opportunities. I think in particularly injured under 23s or injured, Guys who age out, if you hit both of them, like is Chiesa another one? Does he age out? I don't know what his price is doing. And I know they've just yeah. signed Di Maria, but um he's not under 23 anymore and he's injured. Mm-hmm. Like that's like wham, bam. What's his price doing? Well, Mike Militao Limited. as well with
1: Madrid. Like I had him and he aged out um last week. So mm-hmm. um yeah, center back for Madrid.
0: Chiesa's been pretty stagnant, actually, as it turns out over the last six months in terms of fate at all price points. He's kind of just not moving. But um militarizing alone, as you say, there's options. There's a wee strategy for people to go digging on. Um, I want to ask you about something. You made an absolute howler of a mistake. Tell me about
1: it. <laughs> this was last year, and uh, I still shudder to think of it. I... Uh, was in discussion with uh, acquiring Neymar for a Neymar rare for uh, three ETH. And I had kind of spent my budget and I couldn't, I was scraping money together trying to check my bank balance and credit cards and things like that. And I didn't want to lose the sale. So I agreed to send the person one ETH for Brendan Aronson, who at the time was worth maybe 0.2, 0.25, something like that. And uh, I thought, okay, I'm holding him for about a week, 10 days. I'll clear up some money and I'll I'll get the extra two ETH to make this purchase. Uh, And the guy just, Took it and ran. Uh, he left the the platform. He left Discord. Could never find him again. And I just had a painful lesson. That's a horrible one.
0: I'm actually looking there on the if, if anyone goes to the all time graph of Brendan Aronson, you yeah, stick you out me. like a sore thumb. It's actually heartbreaking stuff. I should take um, a
1: picture, a screenshot of it, and NFT that and. Uh,
0: yeah well that's a painful one so i suppose everyone can learn from that like just don't trust randomers on the internet well, maybe uh, you, you can build relationships with people like there's people i definitely trust do you know yeah because uh, i've spoke to them and because i've known them for a long time in the community but like if it's just a discord guy like yeah emily in the comments groundbreaking advice don't trust people on the internet but like there are people who like it's mad how much you can trust people in so rare times Like I've sent people cards worth thousands as a loan. Yeah. Imagine walking up like,
1: yeah, I know. Would you even ask your friend, like your, your best friend for, you know, 20 years, like for $2,000 right now? Like, of course you wouldn't. (laughs) Yeah. yeah,
0: yeah. Here, here, can you give me your car? I'll give you 500 quid for it. And then Mm -hmm. like, I'll give you the rest later. I don't know. Like there's, there's no way that's, I don't know yeah like if you try and break that down into real terms what was it you wanted a car and you said hold the car for me i'll give you three grand and here give me that coffee machine yeah um Mm -hmm. that nespresso coffee machine that's worth 100 quid as like collateral and then they just said (laughs) well he's just gave me three grand for an espresso coffee machine (laughs) is this a per analogy it probably is but anyway that's a howler um and how did you get over that? Because that, that must have shook you a bit. Did you tell anyone in your real life did that affect you bad, or did you just kind of move on? Because that sounds rough. Uh, I'd say that would hit some people hard. Like
1: you can be sure I didn't tell my wife. Um, yeah. <laughs> but, um <laughs> I
0: hope she's not listening. <laughs>
1: yeah. um, no, I I mean exactly. I was it was pretty embarrassing. And I um I mean, basically for months and months, I just kept checking his value, uh, to see when I could flip it at a point that I could sort of live with. And at one point I think he was selling for maybe 0. 0.6, 0. 0.7. And, I, and that was kind of a point where I was like, ah, oh, should I just do it now? Take a 0. 0.3 loss and, and whatever. But, um, yeah, it hurt. And and in a lot of ways, um, I mean, there were so many mistakes like I made. I mean, they're just, just dumb things that you do, even in auction where you, you, Get caught up in the auction and you find out you just bought the the card for more than what the lowest listed price on the secondary market is, mm. you know, and, and you just go, ah, oh, it, it might just only be by a, you know, a few dollars or whatever, but still, um, there's a lot of this kind of thing. And I do think that part of selling my gallery, there was like a catharsis there. There was a feeling of like okay, now I don't have to look at that Brendan Aronson card again. Now I don't have to look at, you know, some of these other ones that I don't have no idea why, you know, I would spend every day on so rare gallery, looking at my gallery and you know, the, Mm. the, the different numbers of like what you paid and what the lowest price is. And, and as soon as, as soon as that lowest price got above what I paid, I, I would go and try and sell them. And I just thought this is, like I'm just operating at a pl- from a place of weakness. Like I'm just trying to get rid of all of these painful cards. And instead I could just do it all in one fell swoop and then rebuild from, yeah. a, you know, a position of strength.
0: Yeah. No, no, I like it. I like it. And I think like, you know, 87% was the number you mentioned. Like, I think 87% is a very fair thing. Like if you actually, if someone actually came to me and offered me, I mean, based off fair valuations, like actual valuations, 87 90 percent in and around that mark 10 percent to cut the shade of trying to sell all your cards in the gallery like 10 percent jesus you'd have to seriously think about it because it's not it's not easy selling cards and the back and forth and the bullshit offer time wasters probably me i definitely waste time sometimes but like
1: well people offer you 10 percent less anyways just when you put it in market like nobody really buys like right at your price so and I sort of looked Yeah. Yeah. True. So I sort of looked at that. I was like, well, I'm already, give, I tend to give people a 10% discount if they make an offer, anyways. Um, mm. So really, I'm only losing like sort of maybe three, three to 5% or something. So yeah. You know, no, I like it. And, you know, the other piece for me was like, because this is, you know, I, I don't, you know, let's, uh, the big disclaimer, this is not a, an investment platform or investment advice or anything like that. But for me personally, this is an investment. This is something that I want to grow and, and I want to use and I'm looking at it from a financial perspective. Um, in fact, I cashed out to to get into SoRare. I cashed out of a very stable um, mutual fund that I was so sick of looking at and and gaining, you know, 4% a year on but having no idea who these companies were and didn't care and anything. And I was like, wait a minute, I'm going to throw something into something that I actually believe in. Um, And it gets super excited Mm. about Anyways, That's an aside. But the point is, is that part of selling as well is like kind of maturing as an investor in that, like, not being so attached, like to to get rid of all those cards, and even like like I had uh, Chavi Simons. That's actually a good story to talk about because he literally got transferred like t- two hours or an hour mm. out, right? But uh, but like to like part with that is actually a good muscle to develop, like so that you don't become so attached yeah. to these things. And so now I actually feel like. Wow, going forward, I I will be better at getting rid of cards and, and and selling at their peak instead of having that like emotional attachment.
0: That is really important because it's the thing we're all the worst at. Everyone says, "What are you worst at? Selling. No one to sell, letting yeah. go." Like if someone came in and offered me like a really fair value, like more than fair value for like a Parejo card, I'm like, "Fuck." <laughs> to even take Parejo out of the equation, see getting rid of like the Li that I had such success with last season. Not even that I won a lot with them, but like just like I'm part of that. I have a really nice card of a proper elite talent in the world, in world of football now. Right. Saying goodbye to that's really tough. Nico Williams, I'm like man, I bought you, I had you through thick and thin on your loan. I love having you. I followed your story. It's the emotional connection, as you say, of following these players for six months a year, two years on their journey, you know how they're doing, you know, the clubs they have been at, you know, the struggles they have had and like giving up exposure to that is kind of hard because you kind of still want to sit down and want to watch a, a gank game. If you have gank players that you follow, you don't want to like get rid of them and have no exposure. And then like, Oh, but I want to watch gank, but I don't really care now. So like, you know, it's, it's really hard. I think was so rare because it is so emotional for such a, as you say, it's not investing, whatever, blah, blah, blah. But for so many people, for such a money-driven platform or a money-driven adventure like it's so hard to just be heartless and say goodbye when it's time to say goodbye and look at it purely as like transactional and excel spreadsheets and profits and losses it is very hard i think
1: Um, well i think it you know one thing to keep in mind though and this is this maybe got me over the hump because i wasn't I was thinking about it for about a month, and then is the realization is that what you just said, the story's not over. Like it's not like just because you sell Nico Williams doesn't mean you can never own Nico Williams again. You could just go mm. and rebuy, maybe in six months his price drops gets injured or something like that. Maybe you win it. Like that was a big one for me I was like, I was thinking that if I have more card winning lineups, I could just win back some of these cards that I've sold. Um, I Mm. could rebuild a U23 team purely on winnings uh, versus just like sitting on these guys and like pouring in my emotional uh, equity into them. And so that kind of Mm. changed for me. was that like, right, I can actually use card winning as a strategy to grow my um, gallery rather than this massive outflow of cash that I put out 15 months ago. And now I'm just like sitting on these guys.
0: On and on. Yeah, absolutely. Well, look, I think it's time. If you're ready, we could go and have a look at some questions. Mm-hmm. First off, I think what I want to do is have a quick look at some transfers that have went through, see if you have any thoughts on them. So we have Di Maria's went to Juve. Obviously, PSG, he's out of there. He was never really first choice once Messi and Mbappe and Neymar were there. Um Off to Juve, could do well there. Bit of competition for the wing spots. Uh, so Di Maria not one to sleep on if you go and look at his historic solar scores. Wittarigi, who's been long kind of known he was going to Milan, but he's officially at Milan, you know, a budget guy who was never really in the team at Liverpool. When I say budget, on so rare, he would have been relatively cheap. Now he's off to Milan, you know, Giroud's Latin there, an ageing cast, a different type of player you could say. He's always been very clinical for Liverpool. He could be a great signing. Uh, with Sven Botman, who snubbed Milan and went to Newcastle, which is becoming a bit of a trend. Newcastle, I wonder why people are going there. Um, and then Minamino, another Liverpool reject, these are all tying in nicely, has went to Monaco, where people are hoping to get a bit more game time and maybe fulfill that potential that we've seen in him. I believe he was at Salzburg, wasn't he? Um, so there's kind of a few transfers that jumped out at me this week just from a solar perspective that could be quite exciting. Don't know, are you expecting much from any of them or do you care about any of them?
1: I really like, I mean, so I'm a mad Liverpool supporter. So definitely following Origi and, and Minamino and, and I mean, curious even just around Liverpool's um, depth now going forward. Um, but that's a different conversation, but mm-hmm. um, Minamino, I think I'm, I'd be really excited about um, where, where did he go last year on? Southampton. That's right. And, and just lit it up for those first few games. Um, and yeah, I, th- I think that when he's been given the t- time, obviously he did really well for uh, Liverpool in the FA Cup um, run and uh, in the League Cup run. And so, yeah, I, I, that's one that I'd be pretty uh, bullish on. Um is kind of a weird one for me because I just, I maybe it's maybe it's it's, it's like I'm a victim of his his legend. It, you know, it's like everything he's ever done has been in the span of like 17 minutes a game or, or Mm. six minutes or whatever. Like what can you, can you even remember like a 90 minute, you know, performance?
0: (laughs) Is the of like super so busy.
1: Yeah. So I would just be curious about that. Um, I mean, of course I wish him well, just what a, what a legend, but um, those ones stand out to me. I mean, Di Maria, I mean, I think what's great is he's going to a veteran side. Um, I think he has been a little bit uh, undervalued or, or, um, underloved a little bit so um Mm. could be a good one but sometimes those sort of wider players uh maybe don't always score quite as well as we'd like um Mm. uh, I
0: think something that I've just noticed there I went to look up Takumi Minamino there when he was at Southampton and Mm. well the first thing that jumps out is his price it's obviously very inflated for the type of player he's going to be because of the scarcity of card but the other thing that really jumps out at me well He's very good nationally at Japan. I did not know he was 27. I said, I wonder, can he go there to realize his potential? He's 27. I had in my head he went to Liverpool when he was 19, 20 years old, stayed there for two or three years, and he was 23, 24. He's 27. That's right. Wow. So I did not what know that. Is. Yeah. I always looked at him as like a younger player. Just mm-hmm. wrong. Point blank wrong. But, um, We'll move into a few questions. Lots submitted. Uh, we we'll see if there's any. The, the most liked one first is from Rob Marshall. How much did your strategy change after the rebuild, or did you buy similar players a second time round? We kind of covered this, um, but if i had to say to you, like, what's the main focal point? What was the one thing you wanted to do different? If there's one yeah. thing, I mean, I think really, you kind of said it. Maybe was a bit it's more patience. Cards.
1: It's it's less cards, less um, scatter it's more focusing on one league. So if you look at my gallery now, I mean, think, I think what's kind of interesting and this will be some of my content on my channel and Twitter and whatnot is like what, how I do the rebuild and, and what I'm thinking and whatnot. And I only have a, a handful of cards I've bought um, in the last few days, but um, I'm looking at uh, America So America Rare Pro is is where I'd like to play. And and obviously Global All-Star and Global All-Star Rare Pro as well. Um, Mm. But I really kind of want to focus on that first and use that to potentially build out um, a little more depth in those areas. And then come the fall, um, maybe early fall, again, depends on my um, discipline, then start to move into places like Challenger um, and, Mm. uh, and maybe u23 but you know it's so tricky like u23 is so it's so much more expensive and it's it's obviously by its nature so speculative and that's precisely what I'm trying to go against this uh with this strategy and mm. so even though there's a part of me that wants to grab those wonder kids and whatnot um, I kind of know that's what got me into
0: having In trouble it.
1: yeah so I uh, we'll see how that goes maybe if I'm just really flying high and I've got these Amazing challenger stacks and and america stacks and every I'm winning cards every weekend then i then i'll I'll start to splash mm. the cash but um that's the plan right now is is um you know less cards more focused yeah. and and that kind of rare pro space
0: less speculation, more quality maybe yeah it's something I'm very guilty of myself uh the next most like question was from weston Davis Did the new game modes change your buying strategy any? Again, we kind of touched on this, but...
1: Yeah, not so much. I mean, I, I think... Um, I am curious about... Could we see Challenger being split? Uh, you know, mm. especially if they get another league or two, like an entire league. Like if the, you know, Greek league or, or something comes in or even just if they just round out and, and end up getting all of the clubs in all of, um, you know, Europe. That's a lot. I mean, we see this like now with um uh, uh, with Scottish Premiership it's just getting very bloated there's just a lot there um do you maybe have a challenger north and a challenger south or something or an east or a west or something um i'd be curious about that but i wouldn't say a lot of the the um i would say the areas i, I said this before is maybe special um, special weekly because you can wear win a rare that's probably the only one that mm-hmm. i feel like i've um that and even that's not that new it's only about I don't know, maybe it's 4 months or 6 months old or something. Mm. Yeah, no,
0: that's great. We'll move on to another question. Uh JC67 so rare. I'm I'm going to just paraphrase something that he's mentioned here. It's kind of around the seal um the different sort of market mechanics i suppose on so rare the actual functionality um and something he's mentioned here is almost like a an order book system where maybe you could you could say you're happy to sell players for x amount but people can also say i'm happy to buy players for x amount and then you've almost got the spread there between it's almost going to more of an order book system than necessarily the the clunky the clunky market we have now i think like to be honest it really does need updated it would increase their liquidity massively i think if they like it would actually be huge for liquidity if you could list people for different sort of amounts of time. If you could like for auctions, if you could put in like a max bid feature, lots of different things that could be done that would increase the amount of money they make and the liquidity. So the only bottleneck to that, it can't be the decision or whether it's a good thing. It has to be around them actually actioning it and building out the back end as a tech person would say. Mm-hmm. Um, is there anything on that that jumps out at you and you'd like to see anything that bugs you?
1: Well, I mean, I think what we're really talking about on on a larger scale is just communication between managers. And so communication can come in many forms. It can be a little chat box or it could be a sort of offer counter offer or, um, you know, a a ceiling or a floor or, you know, that that he's referring to and things like that. Um, And I mean, those are all forms of communication. And I think we've all had struggles. I mean, you see manager names are people change their name to say will accept you know trades at 115% and things like it's like they're literally like gaming the 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 name in order to mm. communicate. And, and I think that's like a big red flag for the Sorare developers. If if you find people like trying desperately to like use whatever means they can to communicate out to the community what they're trying to buy or or sell. Um, that should be a flag that maybe we need to prioritize mm. this in the um in the backlog. Um, to allow managers. I mean, you see that this podcast, the discords, Twitter, things like that, it's so active. Um, it, it, how so? is not sort of better facilitating this this opportunity to communicate. Um, yeah. yeah. Beyond me.
0: It is, it's brutal. Like I, I go to the market particularly, yeah, whenever, like with rares and limiteds and stuff, you'll normally find someone else. See, when you're going to buy super rares and uniques, there's probably only one or two on the market At best. So contacting people is essential. And and what you'll often get is people do list people for ridiculously unrealistic prices particularly at like guinea because they're kind of like well maybe someone's not maybe someone buys it it's super rare i will like there's no one else out there i'll just be the lowest of market and they'll contact me and i kind of do it myself sometimes i'll put out a card and i'll be like okay this is like a 2 ETH card i'll put it up for three and a half and it's like someone can message me then and it's almost like that anchoring effect at least i've set the bar high and we can start whereas yeah. if i started at a fair price they're going to want cheaper Do you know what I mean? So that's why I do it. But I know I'm easy contactable. You'll find me on Twitter. You'll find me on Discord. You'll get me. But people who don't have those things attached and they still put out the unrealistic price and they're hoping that people have eth-locked and loaded maybe to send the offers. But for me, if I'm buying off card, or if I want to discuss a more intricate deal with trades involved, and I might come and kind of be like, "Look, well, I'll take him and him, but I want to give you this guy and some ETH. Like, I know you could send that offer, but what if you are buying with card, for example? So, a lot of these people aren't. I can't communicate them. So, for me, essentially, the card may as well not be in the market. So that affects liquidity. It fa- affects their satisfaction. It affects my satisfaction. It affects many things. Um, none least so rare's numbers that they can stick to shareholders and put out there on um crypto slam and whatever else for volume so like it makes sense for absolutely everyone for them to fix the market and all the little nuances and issues with it because there's so many of them right. um so yeah yeah Next. It,
1: it, it speaks to sorry just that like the Don't power of the community and and why you know uh forms like this are are so healthy and so necessary i mean Maybe a good time to plug uh, the the uh, the meetup or the the pub event or whatever um, as mm. well, because it's like again, if these things don't exist, um, there isn't a more there isn't an obvious place for people to connect on the platform.
0: Yeah, and what I want to put out there again, just around the event, I mentioned it most weeks now, so you're probably sick of me, but and I'm sorry if you just outright can't go, but you're going to be kept up to date. I started a Discord for everyone going, so at the minute we've about geez, just about 40 people in here now uh, confirmed as we've bought their tickets, put their manager names in loads of people waiting to buy their tickets. Um, just get them bought, get in the discord. People are planning of post pre during event plans, the weekend accommodation, trying to source tickets for games, um, all sorts of stuff. So it's, everyone's getting very excited. So if you're buying a ticket, buy the ticket and reach out to me and I'll get you in the discord. Uh, 5th of August in London, people flying in from all over the world. We have a Canadian three Americans, someone from the Philippines and multiple people from Europe and loads of people from the Ireland and UK. So, um, yes. And I'm also waiting to hear back what so rare are going to do to help um, in terms of whether or not, well, they are going to, but see just how much they're going to lean in and what they're going to give us to give away. So that'll be fun. Um, thanks for bringing it up. So. Next question is a hot take in a question, which I like, Brandon, because I kind of put out saying like every week I put it out, like, hit us with your topics, your questions, and hot takes of the week. What a hot take for us European folk is, Americans like to use this term, it's kind of just like a statement of something you believe in. My hot take might be that coleslaw and lasagna is banging. Yours might be that it's shit. It's just a statement that you it's your kind of like take on a situation. So Brandon says, how do we convince stubborn so rare managers that coming up for a solution to DMPs will improve everyone's experience, not just the so-called whales, and would be a good thing overall for the so rare platform? He says, the best option he's aware of is to do what American fantasy does. Rolling lockouts is the game start. Maybe we have to keep submitting teams deadline Keep the submitting team's deadline for so rare for technical reasons, but the idea is you can swap players in and out of lineup so long as their game hasn't started. It still rewards players for paying attention, being involved, gets them on the platform more often, and doesn't penalize them for initially trying to start someone that was expected to play. What is your take on DMP substitutes that whole thing? I haven't spoken about that in a while.
1: Yeah, I mean, obviously there's a technical build needed for that, and and at first I wanted to say, okay, if we're on a blockchain based platform that might be much more complicated and much more costly for them than we, um, then, then we might know, but, uh, at the same time, other fantasy sports do it all the time, you know, FPL or, mm. or fantasy football. Um, so it, to his point, Brandon's point, like it, it should in theory be doable. Um, I think, I, I mean, that could be a way, certainly the, the kickoff time and things like that. Um, that would i mean it might even also for them it would add more people coming to the site more regularly so i mean to your point you said you you set your lineup once a week and you're you're hardly on the site right now and uh but maybe if you were actually checking starting lineups and things like that you could make a switch on the hour you'd be in more often so i I quite like that the other one that kind of exists in this uh environment already is is it so rare mega no um no it's i think it's the solar data um cops or, or leagues that they do where you actually have um a few sort of bench spots that you get to put in and mm. um, and so you know that could be a thing where you just get to pick one um even just one bench spot or, or something i don't know something like but that, that benefits you... the
0: wheels because they've got bigger right. galleries that, yeah. that's the argument that you'll, you'll come into there
1: well, I think anything benefits the whales. I think this is something that we have yeah. to understand from like just economic, macroeconomic principles. Like, like a good example for me is this um, special three clear or whatever, where basically you can put in like you know two or three commons and stuff like that. And and everyone's t- touting how it's going to help the um, you know the, the the small guys and things like that. But like, if you're a whale and you only like, you could easily clear house in that tournament if you really wanted to. Um, mm. At least the academy is is in a scenario where if you play, you can only play that if you're not playing any other league. So so that one I think makes sense. But part of why I didn't really get into the three cle is because I was like, well, somebody's going to have Carlos Gill and you know uh, or something. And then like, and plus they're going to have their, um, you know, those of us that played for a while, uh, we have pretty amazing common cards as well. So, Mm. you know, I just, I was like on the flip side, it also makes it like very, very easy to win, um, as a, as a bigger gallery.
0: I suppose there's less variation, isn't there? Like, so like, you know, whenever people just pick five players, there's more of a chance that one of them DMPs or has a shit score. Yeah. But whenever there's three and you just pick, Vanek and Moriaka and Cruz or something, you know you're getting X amount of points guaranteed. Like they're not yeah. there's no variation there.
1: Like take um, that to its its like furthest extension. What if there was a, a, a tournament that you simply put one card up? Well then obviously the people with Mbappe or whoever would win those, right? So you mm-hmm. actually need like greater distribution. You need like like a ten aside or something like that. To And I guess, you know, I realize that creates a barrier of entry because then someone has to go buy 10 cards. But, like, you need more variability if you want to um, sort of hurt the, the whales, so to speak.
0: Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. My, my take on the DMP thing, it's one of those where, like, if they do it, whatever, if they don't, whatever. I'm, I'm kind of chilled with this. I feel like you're going to piss someone out, off no matter what you do. What is ultimately the best thing for the platform? I mean taking DMPs out of it's great, but I'll be honest with you, and I get DMPs all the time, as we all do. I still think it's kind of some buzz then whenever you don't get a DMP and you think you're in the running. Or like do you know, like DMPs, while well, they're sickening, they add to the buzz whenever you don't get one, if you know what I mean? Whenever you get a lineup, and there's five guys, okay, they're all starting, they're all playing, let's fucking go. Yeah. There's some buzz to that too. And I mean, the roll and lock thing, I get it might be more optimal, but the, the argument there is always What if I actually do just want to sign in, set my lineups for a Friday, and I'm good to go? I don't want to be on a Saturday out with my family and having to go in to tinker and check lineups throughout the day, throughout the 24-hour clock at certain times of the year. I don't want to have to set my alarm to wake up and check who starts in Asia or America. So I actually think because of the global nature of the game and because of the different kickoff times, it's actually incredibly antisocial and would put me off massively because I want to set and forget and enjoy my weekend. I don't want to have to keep, like, treat it like a job, and mm-hmm. check in every couple of hours. So, I've actually just come up with my answer here now. Rolling locks can fuck off. I'd hate that. I'd actually hate that, in practice. I think it's right. shit. So, um, I mean, that's all very well, one-off DFS games or whatever, where you know you have to do it here and there. But with a so rare gallery with players from all across the globe, you'd be a full-time job, around the clock, all week, all year. That's fucking madness. Yeah. Um,
1: And if anything, maybe it would limit the leagues people play in because they're like, I can only focus on these three. Yeah,
0: I don't have the time to wake up or be uh, awake for MLS. So I'm not doing it. So yeah, it would limit me massively in terms of what I'd play. Uh, Maybe substitutes I could get behind the idea of. I could get the idea of like trialing something like where you have a substitute common that shoots a percentage of whatever. So it maybe doesn't kill the lineup getting a DMP. It just hamstrings it. Um, Or like, and then the, the reason I say common is so that everyone could kind of have the subs, but then like, or even just having a sub, I'm not entirely against it. does it benefit the wheels. It does, but like it doesn't mean you need six players instead of five. Maybe if it was an optional sub, it's kind of advantage. But if you just buy another card, it incentivizes people to buy more cards. It takes away the chance of a DMP, um, the problem is maybe you'd need to have it where your sub can't be the same as your extra, because then your extra could be a forward, and then you can also pick a sub forward, and all of a sudden you have three forwards. Maybe the ex- the sub has to be a different class than your extra. Uh, but then if your extra sub, I don't know the intricacies intricacies of it all. But like, I think like yeah, there is something that could be done. No one wants the MPs, but at the same time, no one wants a full time job. But us see there so. Right. it's a really tough one for them so I think for them it's easier to say nothing than to start trying to change things and that's yeah. obviously what they're doing
1: yeah I have a, a long time uh, group of friends and we do our like annual NFL fantasy league and And a friend of mine said it we were thinking about doing this sort of keepers league where you get to keep X amount of players each year and all this and, and one of the guys said really well he's like I just want to go into every August that I have a 1 in 12 chance of winning amongst you guys and And it's fun and it's fun for four months and whoever Mm. wins takes the pot and whatever. I don't want whoever is the most like strategic and plans multi years out and has like, you know, like, Mm. like that's when it just becomes now, like to your point, whoever invests the most time and is the most, you know, degenerative toward it. Um, Mm. And, and it it really like dawned on me that, right, this is, I know this is a different thing that's so rare, but like, that league is just a bunch of mates getting together once a year to to have a good time. And anything that takes away that antisocial, like you said, that antisocial aspect of it is, is something we should look at for so rare as well.
0: Mm. Yeah. It needs considered. Definitely needs considered. Um, and I mean, I, don't, I do think like the like time should be rewarded. You know, it is play to earn or play and earn or whatever they call it. Like I get that the time should be rewarded. And, you know, if you want to go and put 20 hours in a day and I want to put in three minutes, then yes, OK, you should be rewarded more than me. But like it's within reason and what is reasonable. I don't think it's reasonable for the game to expect to have any sort of success that you have to be. Checking every lineup within an hour before the fixture. Every lineup, well, every team. That's so not what, scalable. That won't
1: make people grow. Well, here's there's what there's a limit. I'm kind of curious about because I've heard. Uh, sometimes I hear a lot of um, complaints, you know, on Discord and whatnot around some of the prizes, and you know, I finished here and look at who I got and things like that. And some of them are definitely broken. You know, a player that uh, whose value has dropped recently because of an injury or something like that. Um, but do you feel that if if you finish first in a game week, you should get the best player. And if you finish second, they should get the second best player in third and so on. Or should there like within that star or tier one or whatever, there should be some randomized aspect to it.
0: I have talked about this before. And I think it's one of those that whichever one you pick, it doesn't matter because we're all playing by the same rules. The seconder comes the week that it's changed. You know what I mean? Like, I like the idea that the best person gets the best reward. But I also like the idea that if 10 people are getting star rewards and it is 100% random number generation, completely random, that number 10 can get Mbappe. That adds to the thrill of 10 people. Then all of a sudden, you're playing for top 10. You're not playing for first apart from the ETH. But like being fourth is no different than being 10th. And I mean, I don't know. Some people hate it. I mean, I, if you beat thousands of people, should you get the best prize? Yeah, I get that. 100% you should. 99% you should. But 1% of me also thinks like, okay, well, what if we just, you're playing for tiered rewards and then it's randomized? Actually, I don't know. I'd love to hear people's thoughts on this because I, when I think about it in terms of content is what I'm thinking about because I'm biased. I'm thinking like having the the chance to hit like the best tier one or the best tier two, that is way better because... When you're opening it, you really don't know what you're going to get. Whenever I open a star and I'm not podium, I know I'm not getting Mbappe or Haaland. Right. So, like, the I remember when I had my first podium, I think I came second. I remember Mike Magnin kept a clean sheet for Lille at the time. And I knew... I For a day, I, I couldn't sleep. I was so excited. It was, it was so, I was, it was so excited because I was like, I could win Mbappe. And this was in the boom. This was March 21 when you signed up. Actually, it was probably that week. And I was like, I could win a 50k card tomorrow. I could win 50 grand tomorrow because I hadn't really been on long enough to understand that I was never winning that card. The first person might have won it. I was never winning it. But the thrill that gave me, and imagine you could give that thrill to 10 people, 20 people, 40 people, 80 people every single game week, however many people win. You know what I mean? Or even like scale it down. Someone wins their first ever card and it's a tier two and they just scrape the tier two. Let them dream they're going to get the best one. I actually think I like that, but I know that it would be one that would divide opinion. But it would take a lot of the the headache out of it for so rare in terms of a, you know, trying to keep the players and the rewards sort of like descending value from the top. I mean, that's a hard job to do with how much changes in football. Um, and again, I think the first week would be a tough one for people to stomach. Whoever wins gets a, a shitting-off card. But equally, they could get a good one. But I think long-term, like, that could be fun. But I don't know. What? What?
1: You asked me, what do you think? I, I, I feel the same way. I think that random randomness adds to the intrigue. Um, I think it, it helps to put a bit of a, um, a drag on, on the whales that that would expect to finish to podium each time and, and thus get, you know, those top cards. Um, I, I would even take it a bit further. Maybe I'll get blasted for this, but like, um, it, you know, if, if you fall into the tier three category, there's one, random tier one or maybe they do it as a marketing tool so it's like uh we just signed up i won't use Mbappe because i mean obviously he did you know just become ambassador but if there was kind of a sort of a tier one-ish ambassador or something like that um for the month of july um there's going to be one random like limited um you know of his card dropped into the tier three and tier two or something like that um,
0: but then people all go but I've got the I've put more money and I've played pick the best cards I put the best team in. why are they getting rewarded for coming last yeah, you but know like, I, I get both sides but I think yeah. the jackpot side and the do like incentivizing people like it's the thrill it's the unknown as you say and mm-hmm. did they not have a thing in the communication ages ago where it was like 100 people who finish outside the rewards but score more than 200 points to be given a random card do you remember mm-hmm. that
1: yeah that's right did that ever actually happen I don't know I think I got someone, yeah. Oh, yeah? Maybe
0: Another they're doing that.
1: Reina, I I got back, like, the keeper for in La Liga. Because
0: I remember that they, they brought that in whenever they announced something around the thresholds. This was a long time ago now, probably like a year yeah. ago, but... <laughs> I think there's definitely scope for that sort of stuff. I think it's interesting. And that is actually a really interesting one. I'd be really in, I've said interested about seven times. I would love to know people's thoughts on that. Cause I, I honestly don't know the correct answer. Th- this could be one of those things where 90% of people are like, these are full of shit or it could be 50, 50 or people could be a favor. I actually don't know. I, yeah. don- I don't know the answer. Um, but look, we've talked about a lot today. We're going to wrap it up with a one thirty-seven game and I'm absolutely devastated. Julius last week, he had sixty out of Gill and seventy six out of McDarty. He had one hundred and thirty six points. So I have to give forty nine quid to charity this week. That brings the total up to two hundred and nine euro. I keep I said every week we're getting towards donation time. I'm going to let it build and just do it at some stage, and you'll see it. Don't worry, I'm going to do it. But two hundred nine quid. I'm sad at. Are you going to break my heart even more or give me a break? Who are you picking?
1: Well, I feel like I have to go with the local boys here at the with the White Caps. Uh typically fairly low scoring fellas. So I think I'm gonna have to grab three of them to get to 137. Um, <laughs> I'll go with my boy Ryan Raposo. Um he might he might get 30 or 40. Um let's go with um, Cody Cropper, the keeper. Um, let's give him around a 50-ish, 55. Uh, and then let's get so – I only need a bit of a – so maybe to St. Ricketts. Uh, so he sometimes comes off the bench, literally gets 20 or 25 or something like that. He's not too – St. Ricketts. Toe St. Saint Saint, Ricketts. Saint Ricketts. Toe St. Ricketts.
0: Okay. These Interesting strategy. <laughs> let's see if it pays off. Yeah, it's a bit different, but I like that. If you hit it, it'll be like 10 times more impressive. But um, Ryan, it's been an absolute pleasure. Um, people can find you so rare strategy on YouTube, and it's at so rare strategy on Twitter. Am I right? I right. have you tagged everywhere. Um, so yeah, go and go and find them and give them a follow and subscribe and all that stuff. Um, anything else, or have I pretty much nailed
1: it? No, that's great. Absolutely love the conversation uh, with people. So please reach out. Um, it's uh, it's uh, been my my favorite hobby over the last fifteen months. So
0: amazing well look maybe you'll make a, a meet up one day uh when we're over your way
1: you know i looked the flights are about 1700 bucks uh, to get out to london oh that weekend so it's a bit but tight. you're
0: full of money now you have loads of money now <laughs> <I know>. <laughs> <laughs> just give up like two of those eighths. who cares yeah, that's right. <laughs> for the community man <laughs> the connections are worth way more than the money anyway uh, look point. it's been a pleasure and uh, i'll chat to you again all the best this week's episode i hope you enjoyed it you can find me on socials it's john nellis on twitter and instagram you can find ryan at so rare strategy he's on youtube and he's also on twitter i hope you enjoyed it do subscribe and leave us a review and we'll see you next week bye bye